MSW Media. This episode is sponsored by Green Pan, healthy ceramic nonstick cookware. Green Pan is the go-to brand for high-quality, non-toxic, easy-to-clean pots and pans. Head to greenpan.us and use promo code DAILYBEANS and you'll receive 30% off your entire order, plus free shipping on orders over $99. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, August 17th, 2023. Today, a former fundraiser for George Santos has been indicted for impersonating Kevin McCarthy's chief of staff. A transcript of the hearing about the Trump Twitter account search warrant has been unsealed. Fulton County DA sets arraignment for September 5th and requests a March 4th, 2024 trial date. The judge who approved the raid on a Kansas newspaper has a history of DUI arrests. President Biden will visit Maui next week. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals has put a hold on mailing Mifeprestone. And abortion rights have won in every single election since Roe was overturned. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana. How are you? Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday to you, my friend. I'm good. I'm good. Good. Got a bit of a reproductive rights kind of a show in the works here. I love it. Along with a bunch of Republicans who are fucked. So that's fun. DA Fonnie Willis has set her arraignment date for all 19 defendants in the 2020 election RICO case for September 5th. By the way, Dana, funny coincidence, that's the same day Pete Navarro's contempt trial starts. (laughs) So we'll cover both of those on cleanup on aisle 45. She's also requested a March 4th, 2024 trial date. That's the day before Super Tuesday. So haha. Uh, If she gets that and Jack Smith gets his January trial date, we'll have Jack Smith and E. Jean Carroll going in January. We'll have the pyramid scheme thing from The Apprentice in February. March will be Fonnie Willis and then Alvin Bragg at the end of March. And then May is documents case. And that's, again, if the judges approve Jack Smith and Fonnie Willis's trial dates. So we'll see what happens there. And the Fifth Circuit has decided Mifeprestone can still be available but not by mail, which is how it was before this whole thing started with the judge, you know, down in the, in, was it Texas? I think it was Texas. I think it was Texas. Texas, Texas, who who was like, we're just going to ban it all. You can't have it at all. No. And uh, because somebody, you know, a couple doctors sued and said, we'll be overrun in the emergency room by women taking a drug that's been approved for, you know, decades. So that went up to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court put a stay on it, sent it back down to the Fifth Circuit. Fifth Circuit made the decision. We're going to go back to how it was until this, uh, you know, appeals out. So right now, things are as they always have been. You can't get Mifeprestone by mail now. And uh, the DOJ is expected to appeal this case. It's just the dumbest thing. I honestly think the DOJ will win even with this, um, this Supreme Court, but we'll see. And also Biden is expected to visit Maui next week. He said he wanted to wait because he didn't want, you know, when a president goes and visits a place, especially someplace as small as Maui, all the motorcades back up, there's only like one road in and out of Lahaina town. And he just didn't want to mess up the aid that's trying to get in and out of the area. So he's going to be going next week. And uh, he said the soonest we can go without disrupting the aid getting to the island. So he'll be there. 
All right. We have a lot of news to get to today. Uh, Dana, in case you didn't notice, (laughs) (laughs) it was just news story after news story breaking on Wednesday. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. First up from Kyle Cheney at Politico. Special counsel Jack Smith obtained an extraordinary array of data from Twitter about Donald Trump's account from direct messages to draft tweets to location data. And that's according to newly unsealed court filings. But it took a battle with Twitter's attorneys in January and February, punctuated by a blistering analysis by a federal judge who wondered whether Elon Musk was attempting to cozy up to the former president by resisting the special counsel's demands before prosecutors got the goods. Ultimately, Judge Beryl Howell held Twitter, now known as X, but whatever, held him in contempt in February and fined him $350,000 for missing a court order deadline to comply with Smith's search warrant. But the newly unsealed transcripts of the proceeding in her courtroom show that the fine was the least of the punishment. Hal lit into Twitter for taking, quote, extraordinary and apparently unprecedented steps to give Trump advance notice about the search warrant, despite prosecutors' warnings backed up by unspecified evidence that notifying Trump could cause grave damage to the investigation. Quote, is this to make Donald Trump feel like he is a particularly welcomed new renewed user of Twitter? Judge Howell asked. Quote, Twitter has no interest other than litigation and its constitutional rights. That was attorney George Varhees of WilmerHale, the firm Twitter deploys for much of its litigation. But Howell returned to the theme repeatedly during the proceeding, wondering why the company was taking momentous steps to protect Trump that it had never taken for other users. In the hearing on February 7th, 2023, which is right around the time Jim Jordan was having his Twitter files hearings in Congress, by the way, interesting timing. Around that time, Hal referenced Musk asking, is it because the new CEO wants to cozy up with the former president? The new documents also detail the painstaking categories of data investigators were seeking from Trump's account. And this offers remarkable detail about the intensely secretive aspect of Smith's probe into Trump's bid to subvert the 2020 election. Now, Judge Hal pressed the company on who held the keys to Trump's newly reinstated Twitter account, a group that apparently included Trump's list of representatives to the National Archives. Twitter's attorney also revealed that Trump account sent, quote, some volume of direct messages that prosecutors were working to obtain. See, because these were 2703D orders, which are attempts by the DOJ to obtain communications from third-party vendors, that's why I was like, I bet it's DMs along with that, you know, location data that you and I talked about, Dana, so that absolutely people could know whether Trump was, you know, was he right in that dining room right there? Was that must have been Trump tweeting? Was he logged in? Was it his IP address from his phone, etc.? Among the data the search warrant commanded Twitter produce includes accounts associated with real Donald Trump that the former president might have used in the same device. So did he have any sock accounts? burner accounts, devices used to log in to the real Donald Trump account, who all logged in and from what address, IP addresses used to log in between October 2020 and January 2021. So they weren't trying to get his whole history. Privacy settings they wanted. They wanted the history, the tweet history. All tweets created, drafted, favorited, liked, or retweeted by the president, including any subsequently deleted tweets. All direct messages sent from, received by, stored in draft form in, or otherwise associated with at real Donald Trump. That's the DMs. 
all records of searches from October 2020 to January 2021, all of the tweets he searched for. Location information of the user, that's, as I said, that would become in handy to find out if it was actually the president and if he was in that specific location when that tweet went out. The bulk of the battle focused on prosecutors' demand that Twitter abide by a non-disclosure order and refrain from notifying Trump about the search warrant. And that's the cool thing about 2703D orders. You can get people shit from their third-party vendors without telling them. That's what the DOJ has the power to do, um, which is kind of, I think, pretty cool. Some people might think not so cool, but, you know, don't crime. Twitter raised concerns that prosecutors were seeking data that could be covered by executive privilege, a contention that drew incredulous responses from both prosecutors and the judge who said Trump was unlikely to be doing government business with senior aides via Twitter DM. And also, it's his privilege to raise, not yours, Elon. In addition, Hal emphasized Twitter had little to no insight into the evidence prosecutors relied on to obtain the warrant or the details of their acute concerns that notifying Trump could endanger the investigation and result in harm or intimidation to witnesses. Quote, you don't even know the half about the very warrant you are coming here to delay the execution of. That's Judge Hal. Prosecutors emphasized repeatedly that they had evidence, not just based on public information, that disclosing the search warrant to Trump could jeopardize their probe. So they had some sort of evidence there, and we don't know what it is. Quote, there are actually concrete, cognizable reasons to think that if a former president had notice of these covert investigative steps, there would be actual harm and concern for the investigation for the witnesses going forward. That's Gregory Bernstein, a member of the special counsel team. Hal pressed Bernstein to respond to Twitter's contention that Trump likely wouldn't take steps against witnesses because so much of the special counsel's work was publicly known. He won't do anything because he already knows you're investigating him. Quote, first, they don't know anything. I mean, they know some stuff. <laughs> they know that they have what they've read in the newspapers, Bernstein said, but they're making these confident factual assertions without knowing the actual facts of the investigation. And again, Andy and I will cover all this on this weekend's episode of Jack. It's going to be a good one. All right. This is from Chance Swaim at Wichita Eagle. Now, the Kansas magistrate judge who authorized a police raid we talked about earlier of the Marion County record newsroom over its probe into a local restaurateur's drunken driving record has her own hidden history of driving under the influence. So not surprising here. Judge Laura Vire who was appointed on January 1st to fill a vacant 8th Judicial District magistrate seat, was arrested at least twice for DUI in two different Kansas counties in 2012. This is a Wichita Eagle investigation found this out. She was the lead prosecutor for Morris County at the time of both of these DUIs. Byers hmm. DUI history could face scrutiny because the warrant she approved for the controversial raid came in response to the Marion County record digging into the DUI history of restaurant owner Carrie Newell. Now, the buyer authorized raid came after Newell complained about the newspaper's investigation into her criminal background. Marion County attorney Joel Enzi said Wednesday that the warrant was ordered with insufficient evidence to establish a connection between the materials seized and the alleged crime. Now, it's unclear whether a judicial nominating commission that selected buyer for magistrate position knew about her arrest and diversion. While members of the commission did not return calls from Eagle and Kansas City Star reporters, now she would have been required to disclose both arrests, by the way, in her application. Now, the first arrest, this was in Coffee County, about an hour and 15 minutes southeast of her home in Council Grove. 
This was on January 25th, 2012. That had not been reported. The second in Morris County on August 6th of 2012 came amid an unimposed re-election bid for Morris County attorney. She was not supposed to be driving because her driver's license was suspended in the Coffee County case. This is what the court records have said. She reportedly drove off-road and crashed into a school building next to the Council Grove's football field while driving then 8th District Magistrate Judge Thomas Ball's vehicle. So it wasn't even hers. It was another magistrate judge's vehicle. The Morris County arrest likely would have been a violation of her diversion agreement in Coffee County. But court records indicate prosecutors in Coffee County didn't know about Morris County's case. And earlier, Coffee County DUI was not disclosed to the public in Morris County, where she was actually standing up for re-election. Well, because of Ball's closeness to the case, all of the 8th District's judge recused themselves, all of them, from handling Byer's second DUI case and a special prosecutor, Obansi County Attorney Norbert Merrick Jr. was later appointed by Governor Sam Brownback as 6th District Judge, was assigned to handle the criminal prosecution. That's according to the report by WIBW. Well, it's unclear what happened next. The case does not exist at all in the state's court record system, and no follow-up articles appear in any publicly available newspaper archives. Sketchy as fuck. Merrick did not immediately respond to questions sent to the 6th District. In Coffee County, Vire, who went by Laura E. Allen at the time. Why do you have, how, how do you have a whole alias? I mean, I'm not judging if you change your name, right? But Right. Like, a whole different one. Why? That's, hmm. Sketch. Yeah. So her, who she ever, she used to be, which was <laughs> Laura Allen. Allen was charged and entered a diversion agreement, which was extended six months because she refused to get an alcohol and drug evaluation and stopped communicating with her lawyer. What the fuck? <laughs> she was never sanctioned by the state's attorney discipline board and won re-election multiple times as a Republican candidate for Morris County attorney. I know, Republican. Very surprising. Okay, wait. Her name, okay, her name is Laura. Okay, I thought I thought it was like Jennifer Vire and she changed it to Laura Allen. No, it may have been just a, a maiden name. Okay, it's just, yeah. yeah. Now it's, okay. All right. Please All right. continue. My bad. Absolutely. Thank you very much. The Coffee County Sheriff's deputy <laughs> who made the arrest, his name's Eric Smith, now serves as the Kansas legislature. <laughs> now serves as the only guy in this town with a normal name. <laughs> yeah, but uh, he's also the Kansas legislature as a state representative oh, for the shit. area. Yeah, no. the court records indicate he also saw prescription drugs in the car. Ugh. Well, Smith told the Eagle in a phone interview Monday that he remembers the arrest but does not recall specific details. He said, I couldn't tell you the details about looking at the report. This is from Smith. I'm not trying to blow you off. There's just no way I would feel comfortable giving you information on a case I barely remember. Well, under Kansas law, magistrate judges have only three eligibility requirements. Be a resident of the county where they preside, have a high school diploma or equivalent, and either be a lawyer admitted to practice in the state or able to pass an examination given by Kansas Supreme Court to become certified within 18 months. I would go be a judge in Kansas. That doesn't sound too hard. I think you probably could. I probably could at this point. Vire's decision, by the way, to approve a search warrant of the Marion County record on August 11th, the sketchy one that was illegal, has come under intense scrutiny from First Amendment advocates across the U.S., with many calling the move unconstitutional and illegal. Yep. On Wednesday, the Marion County prosecutor withdrew the search warrant. Oh, like you can just take it back? No, well, take not backs. after they actually did the fucking raid, by the way. <laughs> no take backs on 
<laughs> Sorry. And let's remember that someone died after this. Yeah, Joan, Joan yes, Meyer. Exactly. The there was the- there, there were consequences to this unconstitutional raid. Marion Police Chief Gideon Cody, who was under investigation, oh Jesus, these people, by the Marion County record at the time he seized their computers, cell phones, and other documents. He sought the search warrant to find evidence of computer crimes and identity theft after a complaint by Marion restaurant owner Newell, who was seeking a liquor license for her restaurant inside the Elgin Hotel in Marion. So, so it's the chief here who wanted the warrant, and he's under investigation by the paper. Correct. And I believe he's under investigation by the paper for sexual misconduct. Oh. So this is just all sketch AF. It is indeed. Now, Newell apparently was upset that record reporters used a public state database to confirm she lost her driver's license over a DUI. So there's a lot of fishy stuff going on in this whole fucking story. It's nuts. Well, they're going to sue, and I hope they sue him into the ground um, because this whole thing seems like a setup of some sort. It seems like a conspiracy with the judge who's got the same issues as the restaurant owner and the state rep who did her case, the judge's case for the DUI. And then, of course, the sheriff is that no the chief the police chief yeah who is under investigation by this paper like my god oh that's like straight out of like a film noir all of this sounds some weird retribution for something clearly mm-hmm. yeah absolutely for the for them looking into them they're all corrupt yep. all right from jake Offenhart at the associated press a former fundraiser this is fun for uh, george santos was indicted on wednesday on federal charges that he impersonated the chief of staff of of Kevin McCarthy while soliciting contributions for George <laughs> Santos. <laughs> Sam Miley, I think is how you pronounce it, 27 years old, four counts of wire fraud and one count of aggravated identity theft and alleged scheme to defraud donors and obtain money for Santos under false pretenses. Each of those wire fraud counts carries a 20-year max sentence. Prosecutors said Miley used a fake name and email address to impersonate a hot quote high ranking aide to a member of the House with leadership responsibilities. This is, is Kevin McCarthy's chief of staff. The indictment did not name the person who was impersonated, but the details of the charge match with multiple news reports identifying the aide as Dan Meyer, who is now retired, but he was the longtime chief of staff of, of Kevin McCarthy, who at the time was the minority leader. And we need to put him back there. So everybody vote in 24. Santos was not charged in the indictment, even though he was emailed in this. Maybe we'll see some superseding indictments, but he was not charged. The facts of the case rest on events that overlap with the congressman's own alleged crimes of wire fraud and money laundering. Um, Now, Miley pleaded not guilty to the charges in in the Brooklyn, Eastern District of New York, right? Brooklyn, federal court. He was released on $150,000 bond. His attorney, Kevin Marino, did not immediately return a phone message. Meyer did not immediately respond for request for comment. Santos's office did not respond to a request for comment. Federal prosecutors said Miley sent fraudulent fundraising solicitations to more than a dozen prospective donors between August and December of 2021, at times signing the emails with the aide's full name and title. That's not even him. It doesn't even look like him. I looked. In a letter, in a letter sent to Santos last September, Miley admitted to, quote, faking my identity to a big donor. He put it, he put it in writing. Oh my God. In a letter. He went on to describe himself as high risk, high reward in everything I do. Well, here comes the risk. 
part and you know here's the this is the find out phase of your high risk high reward scheme Miley earned a commission of 15% for each contribution he raised. A McCarthy spokesman confirmed they were first made aware of the impersonation in August of 2021. Haven't had, just never told us about it. Well before he was elected. How cool is that? The indictment came three months after Santos was arrested on charges of wire fraud, money laundering, theft of public funds, making false statements to Congress. And he has pled not guilty and insists he has no plans to resign. Republican leaders in the House protecting a narrow, narrow majority have stopped short of calling for him to be expelled. Of course they have. They need his vote. Yes, they do. For, I don't know, to impeach Biden or whatever. The case against Santos involves separate allegations that he embezzled money from his campaign for personal use, lied to Congress about his finances and cheated his way into undeserved unemployment checks. So yeah, he's- Yeah, those is, were just the illegal lies, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, there were plenty of legal lies. Oh my goodness! So, you know, goodness. one's trying to no one's trying to take away your First Amendment right about lying about everything to the public. Oh my God! All right, Ag, thank you so much. And last in this section, this is from Amanda Turkle at NBC. Anti-abortion advocates—they scored a big win on June twenty fourth in twenty twenty two, as we know, when the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. Well, but since then, their luck seems to have run out. Abortion's been on the ballot in seven states since that landmark court decision one year ago. And in each of those instances, AG, in red states and blue states, anti-abortion advocates have lost, which is a beautiful thing. In some instances, voters have approved state constitutional amendments protecting abortion rights. In others, they've rejected measures that would weaken protections or make explicit in the state constitution that abortion rights are not protected. As we know, in Ohio last Tuesday, abortion wasn't directly on the ballot, but the fight over a measure that would have made it tougher to pass state constitutional amendments in the future was largely framed around the issue with both sides eyeing an abortion rights measure that will be on the ballot in November. Well, votes on these ballot measures are being closely watched as both Democrats and Republicans figure out how abortion will play into the 2024 election. Abortion was a major issue a year ago in the midterms, and it is it provided a boost, by the way, to Democrats who leaned into GOP support for restricting access. Every time this is an issue, the, the candidate has lost. The measure has lost. People are fired up. Gen Z is tired of this part. They are they the fuck off. Don't tell me what to do with my bodies. Mm. Um, people are people are pissed, and I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, and if the Republicans think that this won't carry and that we'll forget. We will not forget. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely won't forget. All right. We have a bunch of good news we need to get to, but we have to take a quick break. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. I was never much of a cook, but now I absolutely love it. Thanks to Green Pan. My old cookware had a bunch of issues. It seemed like food would get stuck at every meal. I would just give up. It would taste it awful. I had to use a ton of oil to get it to come off. But now Green Pan has introduced me to the world of ceramic nonstick cookware. Now, back in 2007, the founders of Green Pan discovered that traditional nonstick pans emitted toxic fumes, leading them to create PFAS-free and toxin-free alternatives. And now they have over 150 patents, making them leaders in creating cookware without toxic chemicals. Uh, why am I enamored with Green Pan Ceramic Innovation? Because it's simple. No fumes, no toxins, evenly dispersed heat, and easy cooking with less oil and butter. And cleanup is easy. Just one quick wipe. Uh, one of my favorite things about Green Pan, it's beautiful. It's, lo it's lovely. I have the maroon kind of one, We've, and it's, it's gorgeous. They have tons of rich colors, and all you can get all your kitchen stuff to match. It's, it's fantastic. Their mission of offering toxin-free cookware deeply resonates with my health-conscious approach to life. It is such a comfort to cook. 
knowing you're free from harmful substances. And I recommend Green Pan to all my friends and family because it's really just that good. So toss those plastic pans and upgrade your cookware with Green Pan. Head to greenpan.us and use promo code DAILYBEANS, all one word, and you'll receive 30% off your entire order, plus free shipping on orders over $99. That's right. Whether you buy one pan or a whole set, that's 30% off. So head to greenpan.us and make sure you use our promo code DAILYBEANS to let them know we sent you. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to play what the heck wine or what the mutt, um, I got a frog yoga poster instead of a frog orgy today. Wow. I absolutely love it. Cute little frog doing all these yoga poses. Baby pictures, shout out to a spouse, a loved one, a partner, your kids, your parents, yourself. I would love to hear about what you're doing that you love. Um, small business in your area, your business. Anything, pod pet tax. If you don't have pod pet tax, you can send us an adoptable pet in your area. Send it to dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. And by the way, if you want to become a patron and meet me out in whatever city I'm in to have uh, cocktails and mocktails or come to our uh, every other week, we have a happy hour. Uh, this Friday, our happy hour is going to be a mega happy hour to celebrate uh, the justice that happened this week down in Fulton County, Georgia. It's going to be for cleanup on aisle 45 and the beans and Jack. So Pete Strzok and Andy will be there along with myself, Andy McCabe and I. And uh, you know, for five bucks, I think a month, you get Jack and the Daily Beans ad-free and early and access to all that stuff. Just go to patreon.com slash Miller, she wrote. All right, let's start this with Jenny, pronouns she and her. Hey, AG and Dana, I'm writing from lovely, lush, humid Cincinnati, which I don't mind because I'm a total summer baby. I just heard you wrangling Sean Foigt's Foigt, Foigt, name, and I wanted to chime oh, we in. Have, we have an answer. <laughs> it is indeed pronounced Foigt. Oh, soft C-H, feucht. As you know, your German language chops, A-G. My dad side of the family is German, with family still living outside Nuremberg in a small town called Feucht, which literally translates to humidity. Oh my God, that's funny. <laughs> a different listener wrote in and said it also means moist. <laughs> no wonder Cincinnati is so freaking German. That makes a lot of sense, Feucht. Okay, and Nuremberg. I love Nuremberg. I also... Stayed in um, Heidelberg and Regensburg and Nagold and Krenzakwilen and Berlin. I absolutely love Germany. Okay. In other news, I just hit submit on my tenure dossier last night. Nice. Congratulations. I'm feeling like Inigo Montoya and I just killed Count Rugen. <laughs> I was never meant to be on the tenure track in my position of 12 years, but thanks to some surprise developments last year, my position was converted and I'm going up for tenure now. So if all goes according to plan, I will be a tenured associate professor of art in April. I'd say wish me luck, but I've worked my ass off and I've earned it. Fuck yeah, Jenny. Um, okay, so maybe give me a fuck yeah. All right, ready? Given. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, Jenny. Jenny. <laughs> awesome. For pod pet tax and a what the mutt, I have Benny, seven-year-old, large, and Ellie, four to six months old in the pics, less, less large care to guess their breeds? Answers below. Thanks for all you do for keeping me informed and laughing. Dana, it was a pleasure to see you at the HRC Gala here in Cincinnati this year. 
Keep it up. And thanks for doing that important work. Jenny, thank you so much. It was my pleasure to be in Cincinnati. I actually love Cincinnati. Look at these babies. Oh, these look like there's a doby in the big one with maybe They're a little bit of shepherd. Definitely doby shepherd. Look at the tiny baby. Oh my God, with the giant paws. Look how cute though is a puppy. Maybe Malinois. I don't know. Very regal, handsome, beautiful dogs though. Let's see. Doberman Australian Shepherd and a German Shepherd Lab Cattle Dog. We were, we, we were we just, pretty close. Mm -hmm, yep. I, you know what? We got it right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to keep moving on so no one pays any attention to that. This is from Gail, pronouns she and her. While sitting in our northern Minnesota lake cabin, escaping the heat in Arizona, we love listening to the beans, Jack, and clean up on all 45 for accurate news. Mm. I rescued this little girl in April during indictment week number one. I named her Indy, short for indictment. Nice. Today we call her Indy, 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 Indy. <laughs> Here's a pic of Indy and Jackie, my sister's dog. On the way to the cabin, Jackie was on your what the mutt. It's a white shepherd and a golden. While we, Sun City Dem gals, celebrate Governor Katie Hobbs' victory. Nice. Indy loves to dig in the mud along the shoreline, ride in the canoe and kayak, and play, play, play. And for Dana, here's a picture of our two-year-old Eve, my sister's granddaughter, daughter of Jordan and Robin, with Indy. Again, thank you for all you do. Look at this baby. Ever, Eve. It's a beautiful, beautiful dog. And what a beautiful baby girl. Oh, my God. And so cute. Sun City, huh, Gail? Nice. And Governor Katie Hobbs. You know what, Gail? I think um, people are sleeping on Arizona and your attorney general there. I think we're going to see some indictments uh, over the 2020 election come out of Arizona next. So Let's do it. I hope Ted there. Cruz is named. As a co-conspirator. <laughs> this dog is adorable. Oh, there's that, that's gotta be a shih tzu. You are right. Hundred percent shih tzu. Look at me. <laughs> well done, my friend. Maybe it's not pronounced shih tzu, but it's just shih tzu. Cool whip. Shih tzu. Yeah, no, I don't know. It's a shih tzu. I don't know. I just I that's how I grew up saying it. I could totally be wrong. All right, next up from Kristen, pronouns she and her. I recently fostered a dog on a trial basis to see how she would get along with my cats. Long story short, she didn't, and I'm unable to be her forever home. Oh, I am devastated. Those, those that hurt so much. But I also know that there's a perfect family for this nearly perfect dog, and I could go on and on about all her good qualities. She's currently at Pet Resource Center in Tampa, Florida, under the name Callie. And by the way, we will have a link to the adoption for Callie in the show notes. Look at this beautiful, oh, sweet, sweet Callie's dog. sweet baby. I wish I could take her. But no cats. But if you're in Tampa, there's a link in the show notes for Callie. Oh, she's beautiful. Thanks for sending that in. All right. This is from Tracy S. Pronouns she and her. Good morning. Iowa banned a list of books on Saturday. The next day, First Congressional UCC Board approved creating a banned book library lickety split. The office manager volunteered his office because as a longtime resident, he knows the Moms for Liberty and other haters on site. Our church, which is ucc.org, practices radical hospitality and a refuge for, well, anyone really, but especially those who have been hurt by other churches or, and I love this, talibangelicals. <laughs> what a word. That is good. Wonderful. I love radical hospitality. What a great phrase. That's awesome. 
Wonderful. Thank you for that. Yeah. Band book library. Perfect. Everybody, thank you so much. This was the pod pet um, and adoptable pet episode of Good News. So thank you for sending those in. If you have anything you want to send us at all, please do it by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to have Dave Ehrenberg on. Um, he's the Palm Beach uh, DA down there, and he knows a lot about what's going on in Florida. And he's going to have a lot of answers for us about some of the questions we have regarding what's going on in Georgia with the indictments of Donald Trump. So I look forward to seeing him and speaking with him on the show tomorrow. Do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here, before uh, do we wrap not. up the week? I we're do almost, not. We're almost at Friday, my friend. I know. I came fast. Woohoo! I know. This week, <laughs> two weeks, two sets of indictments, and they just flew by. Um, so interesting. What's, what's going to happen tomorrow? Who knows what tomorrow holds, but we'll be here to tell you about it. And until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. And take everyone you know with you and their roommates. Everyone. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for the Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler, how much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary. They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, Show me, in a courtroom, how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. 
Subscribe now.